Welcome to the Terry and Jesse show. We are too blessed to be stressed over all the crumminess in the world and even inside <laughs> the church. You know why? I'll tell you why, Jess. See this crucifix? That's who we are, serve, Jesus Christ. You can't get depressed when you're in love with God. That's my opinion, Jess. Hey, brother, today... Yeah, and not only that, Terry... Terry, and also, we, we, again, we, we also have to keep our mind, our sights set that we win at the end. That's right. All this is just smoke in the mirrors. Amen. All this is partner tricks. Yep. We win at the end. Yep. Well, we're going to be having a great interview with an exorcist, okay? Father Carlos Martins, and he's written a new book at Tan Books. You can get it from our website at vmpr.org and get a little extra donation towards the vmpr.org. Jesse, before we get into that, good uh, good to know file. Google drops sponsorship in, woke, in wake of Christian employees petitioning them to stop it. It's in San Francisco, and they were going to have it on Tuesday, and they said, we're done. We won't sponsor it. You see the pushback that Christians can have if we speak up. Stop being silent about this. We have to speak up. All right, another good to know uh, information. This is unbelievable. 30 House Democrats say their Catholic faith compels them to defend abortion. Really? Here's their, point. Here's their thoughts. The fundamental tenets of our Catholic faith, they're warped. Social justice, uh, conscience, religious freedom, compel us to defend a woman's right to access to murder their child. What? It's signed by Nancy Pelosi and dozens of other dissenters. And just, we know that Nancy said when she was in college, the nuns convinced her that Killing unborn babies is a good thing. You see, we have weak leadership for 60 years. We need to have the bar put up high rather than saying, oh, yeah, you can kill unborn babies. Yeah, you can contracept. You can do all that. We need to reach back and say, let's get back to the deposit of faith that Bishop Strickland talks about all the time. All right, one more, and then I'll turn it over to you for the good to know. This is sad. We talked about it yesterday. Half a million Germans said, I'm out of here. No more Catholic Church for me. Well, Cardinal Supic calls the German bishops good shepherds who act in the spirit of the church. Really? That you're a cardinal in Chicago? Boy, I'm going to run when I see him because if he thinks the German <laughs> church is doing well, I've got some land you know, in Arizona that's beachfront property and I can sell it to him. All right, your turn, Jess. Yeah. Terry, I'm going to talk a little bit about the good news today. Good. But first of all, today's the feast day of St. Peter and Paul. Oh, it's a solemnity. Or should I say the solemnity of St. Peter and Paul. That's right, brother. Okay? Yep. Which is... Uh, Tires. So today, the church celebrates the feasts, the solemnity of St. Peter and Paul. As early as the year 258 AD, there's evidence of an already lengthy tradition of celebrating the solemnities of both St. Peter and Paul on the same day. Yeah. Together, these two great saints are the founders of the See of Rome. How? Through their preaching, their ministry, and eventually their martyrdom. Peter, who was named Simon, was a fisherman of Galilee, was introduced to the Lord Jesus Christ by his brother Andrew. Andrew was also a fisherman. Yep. Jesus gave him the name Rock. Right. And he says, upon this rock, I'll build my church. Peter was the bold follower of the Lord. He was the first to recognize that Jesus was the Messiah the son of the living God, and very early he pledged his fidelity to our Lord until his death. And in his boldness, he also made some mistakes. However, you know, such as losing his faith when walking on water with Christ and betraying the Lord on the night of his passion. 
Yet despite his human weakness, Peter was chosen to shepherd God's flock. And in the Acts of the Apostles, it illustrates his role as the head of the church after the resurrection and ascension of Christ. Peter led the apostles as the first pope and ensured that the disciples kept the true faith. He spent his last couple of years in Rome. He was martyred in 64 AD. He was crucified upside down at his own request, by the way, because he claimed that he was not worthy to die as the Lord. He was buried on Vatican Hill, and St. Peter's Basilica is built right over his tomb. Now, St. Paul, he was the apostle of the Gentiles. He wrote 13 letters in the New Testament. We know much about the early church because of St. Paul. Before receiving the name Paul, he was Saul, a Jewish Pharisee who zealously persecuted Christians in Jerusalem. And the scripture records that Saul was present at the martyrdom of St. Stephen. Mm -hmm. Saul's conversion took place as he was on his way to Damascus, Syria, to persecute the Christian community there. And as he was traveling along the road, he was suddenly surrounded by a great light from heaven. He was blinded, fell off probably his horse. He then heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? He answered, who are you, Lord? Christ said, I'm Jesus whom you are persecuting. Well, Saul continued to Damascus where he was baptized. His sight was restored three days later. He took the name Paul. He spent the remainder of his life preaching the gospel tirelessly yeah. to the Gentiles in the Mediterranean world. He was in prison, taken to Rome, was beheaded in the year, around the year 67 AD. He was buried in Rome in the Basilica of St. Paul outside the walls. And uh, as a result of this, these two saints, Terry, yes. we have the see of Peter in Rome. Well said. All right, Jess, let's get some soul food in our soul, if you can, brother, right now. Absolutely. Matthew chapter 16, verses 13 to 19. By the way, Classic. if you if you want to see, I did a, a, a almost a three-hour debate. It's on YouTube if you want to watch this verse. This verse right here, these five verses, I, I defended in a de debate against a, a very famous Protestant uh, Filipino anti-Catholic pastor yeah. who specializes on destroying the papacy. He's he's debated Carl Keating and, and others. Uh, and so uh, I, I'm proud to say that uh, I gave him some arguments that he could not refute that completely left him dumbfounded. And so here it is. When Jesus went into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others Elijah, still others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter said in reply, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus said to him in reply, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my heavenly Father. And I say to you, you are Peter, and upon this rock... I will build my church, and the gates of the netherworld shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. The gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Here's the, 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 the most important thing I want to make, make here, is that this is verse where we see that the Petrine office was established and you can see in any calendar of popes that there's an unbroken succession of bishops of Rome, popes of the Catholic Church, from St. Peter to Pope Francis. Now, we've had about 19 scoundrels, as I've done my research. And so, uh, you know, we've had about 70 uh, canonized saints. 
the vast majority of them were holy men. But the fact of the matter is, even though there's been a mixed bag, just like the first the apostles, one out of 12 was corrupt. The fact is, is uh, here is the mandate of the church. Here's what applies to lay Catholics and something a lot of people don't realize. Where our Lord says to Peter, he says, and so I say to you, Peter, and upon this rock, I'll build my church and the gates. I'll use the, the better, the RSV and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Okay. What does that mean? Gates? Gates are a defensive weapon. So our Lord just told us that hell is protected by gates. So what does that mean? Since we are the church militant, this indicates that the church militant through evangelization, through prayer, through penance, through fasting, through reparation, through the sacraments, especially through the holy sacrifice of the mass, we're called to go on the offense and storm the gates of hell, rip off the gates of hell, and set the captives free. And so as Catholics, this verse indicates that we're supposed to go on the offense. We're not supposed to stay in our houses hiding uh, and just like, you know, you know, some prelates in the church say, oh, just go home and pray. That's it. Don't don't go out in the streets. That's that's opposite of what Jesus says. The gates of hell shall not prevail. That means we go out into the street and we storm the gates of hell with our presence, with our person, with our penance. Well said, Jesse. Let's bring the smartest guy into the room right now. Bishop Fulton Sheen. Full Sheen ahead. This fits right into our topic in spiritual warfare, Bishop Sheen's comment taken from the quotable Sheen on suicide. He said, suicide has become a mental epidemic and a plague. What makes our age sad is that our joys have ceased, but our hopes have ceased. In other words, people have lost any hope in this world. Why do you think we go to drugs, rock and roll, all this stuff to try and get us distracted? I think, and this was said 60 years ago when Bishop Sheen quoted that. But I think he's spot on. If just look around when you got 30% of Americans on some kind of drug and you got 110 million Catholics on that have received STDs. And I'm not talking about in education, sexually transmitted diseases. We spend $16 billion a year taking care of those people. I have friends that are dying of AIDS right now. So we're all mixed up. And I think the the show that we're going to have right now with Father coming on, Father Carlos, we're going to talk about his work as an exorcist and to talk about his new book. So stay with us on that. And also, I want to remind everybody, continue to keep the novena for Bishop Joseph Strickland and our Father, Hail Mary and a Glory Be, yes. and one sacrificial act during the day for him, for his protection. We're on our, on our fourth day, and we've got to continue to pray for Bishop Strickland and other prelates who are willing to stand up for the truth and pay the price for it. When we come back, Father Carlos will be our guest. Father Carlos Martins is going to be speaking about a new tan book release. And remember, if you go to vmpr.org, you can order that book. And tan gives us a little donation to Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Stay with us, family. You won't want to miss this interview with an exorcist. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. I want to welcome Father Carlos Martins here on the Terry and Jesse Show. You're with Jesse and Terry Barb. We haven't met you yet, Father, but God love you. Welcome to our show. 
Yep. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be here with you. Well, it's a pleasure to talk about our Lord and Savior, Father, Jesus Christ. Go ahead, Jess. Yes. So, Father, tell us tell us, uh, kind of your hand in this book by Italian author Domenico Alto. It's The book is called Father Gabriel Mort, the official biography of the Pope's exorcist. I guess they gave it the English version to kind of just check out if it was theologically correct. What was your hand in the book? Well, in the writing of the book, nothing. Uh, <laughs> the book was uh, was written by the author. It was rendered into English. Yeah. But being an exorcist myself and having the 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 podcast show that I do, I, I have um, um, uh, a, a podcast on exorcism, on the teachings of, of the church regarding spiritual warfare uh, called The Exorcist Files, and, and it's become immensely popular. Good. So uh, Tan asked me if, if I would consider being the spokesperson for this group. I've done exorcisms mm. in Italy, and I operated for a while out of the same uh, religious house, the same monastery that Father Amorth's teacher operated out of, who is Father Candido Amantini. Mm. Father Candido's cause for wow. canonization is underway. Wow. Uh, and he, he has been declared venerable, and his body has been moved inside the Basilica of the Holy Steps, or the, the Basilica of the Scala Santa, so, which is a very, very big vote of approval from the Vatican uh, to anybody. So uh, Tan asked me if I would consider being the spokesperson, and uh, I read the book. I thought it was very, very well done. Mm -hmm. uh, in particular, what's unique about this book is the fact that more than in any other place, uh, Father Father Amorth talks about his own formation as an exorcist. See, we I mean, Amorth was very mm -hmm. famous. Uh, he was famous uh, the world over because he was an exorcist. He was the chief exorcist of the Diocese of Rome. But he had a savviness with the media and a savviness as a teacher. Mm -hmm. And that came out of the charism of the religious order, the Paulines, uh, which he, uh, of which he was a member. And so he became famous the world over. And we, you know, we kind of think without thinking that Amworth was an exorcist his whole life, that this is in fact what he did as a priest. In fact, he was appointed at an, as an exorcist when he was 60 years old, Incredible. 6 zero. Incredible. Wow. And so he wow. functioned in that capacity for over three decades. Wow. Uh, and did the immense amount of work that he did with conducting tens of thousands of exorcisms. He would conduct somewhere in the neighborhood of between 10 and 20 a day, every day, seven days a week. 365 days a year. Hey, time out, even... Father. That sounds unbelievable. You know that because you're an exorcist. When you just said that, I'm thinking, when did he sleep? When did he? He had to have supernatural graces working in this man's life. And that's what makes me think so many people think of him as a saint, right? Oh, certainly. I mean, we started invoking him in exorcisms immediately wow. upon his death. Wow. And, and the wow. demons wow. riled. That makes right? sense. The demons riled. Now, and, and the thing to understand is, look, when the church declares you a blessed or yeah. the church declares you a saint, yeah. it is adding nothing to your holiness. Right. That declaration is merely a recognition of a holiness that is already there. Right. Right. So, so 
heavens, um, we started invoking him right away because the, the demons in life hated him. So we knew that in death, <laughs> it would hate him even more. Well, that makes sense. Wow. Well, we got lots of questions. Father, yes. tell, tell, yeah, tell us a little bit about yourself. Father, who's Father Carlos Martin? Yeah. Because I know Chuck and Carrie reached out to you, the guys from Nefarious. How did that happen? Tell us a little bit about you and how you got connected with Nefarious. <laughs> sure. Yeah. So, uh, well, I'm a convert from atheism. I converted midway through my undergraduate <laughs> degree. I was in my early 20s. And I converted because of two things. One, it was it was the experience of encountering a group of faithful students and a small group of professors among them who radiated a peace in their life. They lived their faith to the fullest and, and they were just different than anybody else that I encountered. And then that group invited me on a Eucharistic adoration retreat and I had no idea what that was. They said the word retreat and I understood vacation. And so I agreed to go. <laughs> and there I had there I had an experience of the Lord with the Eucharist. Wow. And so I went into that retreat as an atheist and I left as a believer. And some you know I finished my studies, I completed my undergraduate degree and then two graduate degrees after that. And then I got a call to, to the priesthood. So I entered seminary at that point. And, you know, I was out of seminary only months. And I, I was a deacon. And I was thrown into the exorcism ministry. So I, wow. I was assigned to a parish in Houston, Texas. And that parish housed the exorcists of the diocese as of possession, uh, people who are full out possessed, that when something lesser would come in, like a house is infested or uh, uh, something to that level, something short of full out possession, um, they would they would dispatch me to go do that. And at the time, I remember I had no training, uh, but they were just so occupied and exhausted with the sheer number of cases coming in that, you know, I just went in and I knew that if the devil is present someplace, then he is there for a reason. And my job is to undo that reason, is to find out what was the door that was opened by which he gained rights to be where he is and to help the victim or the family that is affected by his presence to close that door. Once the door is closed, he loses his rights, and then we can just evict him. And that simple principle is the one that every exorcist employs. You look for the opening, you close the opening, and then you evict the squatter, who by that time has lost his rights. And so I love this. This is a great way of describing it. Thank you. Awesome. The squatter. The squatter. Yeah, that's right. It's a good way of saying it. Father, let me ask you this. Father Amorth <laughs> was held in contempt by some modernists and in the institutional church. You know, the people who said that uh, we don't believe in the devil anymore. Come on. That's just, you know, ancient teaching. And we, we're, we're modern people. We know that that's just, uh, you know, make believe. So what was he respected by all people or were there people that made fun of him? Oh, he was certainly not respected by all people, but not, but not even our Lord is respected by all well people. Well said. Yep. Even even by those who call themselves oh, yeah, Christians true. and, yep, and Catholics. True. 
one of the one of the chapters in this book is Father Amor talking about an encounter he had with a cardinal, where the cardinal poo-poos uh, the belief he had in the in the in the devil and <laughs> renders his entire enterprise as as an exercise in make believe in, oh. in, in leprechauns and tooth fairies. <laughs> and so the the wow. thing is that that yeah. that dimension, that belief in the church, uh, you know, for the last 60, 70 years has been present in a great number of people. Now, I will say this, it that is coming to a close, but especially among the clergy. You know, every man that I know that has been ordained in the last 20 years has no problem with any dogmatic teaching of the church. Yeah. Uh, so we finally wow. come through that Praise nuclear God. winter that yeah. was an identity crisis. Yes. That 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 has afflicted the 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 Christian Church uh, for for a long time. Well, Jesse, your thoughts, your question. Yeah, well, well said, Father. I mean, that's I did I I read years ago in one of Father Amorth's books where he said that uh, there was a 1974 study done in Germany. It's in it's in his book. I think uh, uh, Exorcist, Exorcist tells tells, uh, yep, tells a story. Yep, it's in there. Yeah, and he said uh, that in 74, a study was done in Germany that a third of the clergy did not believe in the reality of the devil. A third. That was 74. So I think things have gotten better, like you said. I think a lot of the, the younger priests that are coming up through seminary right now are basically checking off all the boxes and basically uh, believing in everything the church stands for and believes. I think the generation of, of unbelievers, of modernists, I think... Uh, uh, They'll be out in a couple of yeah, years. They're dying. Stuff, I think we're going to see we're going to see a new. Amen. Yeah, we're going to see a new vibrant church that's going to implement what, what Vatican II actually said. But that's just my take. Uh, so, Father, um, the the book on Father Gabriel Amorth, was there anything new that you learned? Because he probably is an exorcist. You knew about him. He's a, he's a legend in the 20th century. Sure. Was what's one or two things that, that jump out at you where you say like, wow, I didn't know this. This inspires me in my in my ministry of exorcism. What were one or two things that no, really inspired were, you about things. Father Gabriel Amorth? Sure. So so Father Amorth was was very devoted to Our Lady, right? As, as any exorcist who's worth his salt is. Uh, but it, it, what what was interesting and in that and that I didn't know even as much as I knew. Uh, the story of of Father Amorth is that right in his first exorcism, the demon said to him, declared to him that he couldn't touch him, he couldn't assail him because he was too protected. Wow! And and so Father Amorth asked him, you know, demanded from him, "What are you talking about? Why could you not? Can you not touch me?" And and the demon said that you are surrounded by the veil of the Blessed Mother, mm. and I cannot attack you for that. So that was one thing. Uh, and of course, you know, Father Gabriel was was immensely devoted to Our Lady, and he is the one responsible for the bishops of Italy consecrating the, the entire nation uh, to the Immaculate Heart of Mary. And this is before he was an exorcist, uh, but he had done... Uh, the legwork for all of that. Now, wow. we, we may listen to that. We think, well, of course, you know, heavens, why why wouldn't you consecrate a, a country to Our Lady? But all of that, you know, it, it requires the 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 union and the consensus of all the bishops and encounter it, it it requires uh 
a, a, a theological outline of, of why are we doing this for what purpose. He had done all of that. The other thing that I learned from the book, well, I, I mean, it, it was a confirmation. Yes, it was a learning, but it was it was a confirmation of what I've encountered in my own experience and what other exorcists have as well. You know, when when we see exorcism depicted in movies, for example, or read about it in stories, um, what is what is often depicted are the sensational aspects of the devil, the parlor tricks, the levitation, right. the crawling up the wall backwards and so forth. And, you know, Father Amor easily Father, did. Let me just jump in. We got to take a quick break. We're going to finish up on that one. Uh, that story about Father Amorth. Father Carlos Martin is with us. You're listening to the Terry and Jesse Show on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. I know Jesse has to go do a Spanish interview. So, Father, you'll be with me when we come back from the break. And I want you to finish that story. Stay with us, family. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. Jess is on another interview. Father Carlos Martin is with me. Father, I'm on the edge of my chair. You're talking about uh, exorcisms and all this crazy stuff that's going on. Uh, can you finish your story and just kind of set the stage? Because I, I want to hear the remaining part of that story. Yeah, sure. So, you know, we, we what gets the press is are, are these demonic parlor tricks that yeah. the devil does. And and certainly, and, and those of us who have been in exorcism, those who function as exorcists, such as myself, We've seen those things. But, you know, as time goes on, as you work more and more years in this ministry, mm -hmm. the, the devil ceases to, to perform those feats. Why? Because they're intended by him to scare you. Yeah. And, and at a certain point, so think about it. If you walk into a room, Terry, yeah. and you see the victim in front of you yes. levitating. I've seen That's that. probably going to make the hair on, on the back it of did. your head. It up, did. Okay? Yeah. All right. What about the 89th time that you see that? No. And and what about the 289th? No, I would think you'd be okay. Yeah. Well, at, I'm expecting at, at that point, you're not going to probably even put down the cup of coffee that you're holding in your hand, right? <laughs> Hard to believe. So, so because of that, then, the devil doesn't waste his energy doing it. Makes sense. What he does is he diverts his energy into resistance against what you, the exorcist, are trying to do against him. Yeah. And so that's what occurs. So Amorth, Father Amorth says, he in all the years that he did exorcisms and in the tens of thousands of cases that he functioned in, yeah. he only saw levitation one time. It's incredible. That was in his first case. Wow. And and then after that, it ceased. You know, and that that resonates with the experience of uh, Saint John Vianney, uh, Saint Padre Pio, for example, who. Uh, they were attacked by the devil, but they were attacked. All of the saints that were attacked, that, that where there were extraordinary diabolical attacks, they all happened when the relevant saints were younger. Uh, As they get older and more of Christ is present within the saint, the devil just doesn't come around anymore. Makes sense. Yeah, it's more painful for him to come around and try to afflict than it is for him to stay away. So he just got, he just gives up on those. Got it. Father, this is a question that Jess put together, and I, I know 
Uh, Our Lady of La Salette, we're going to be talking about her tomorrow's show because it's a very important message that Our Lady was given, uh, giving to us. But what did Father Amorth mean in his book uh, when he said Satan is in the Vatican? Did he see any black masses or occult activity? And I wanted to get your take on that. Um, you know, I don't think he ever saw any of those. He would have done something about that. Yeah. But it's certainly in the Vatican in the sense that um, faithlessness and, and sinfulness yeah. exists everywhere. And it certainly exists in the Vatican. An example would be that cardinal who uh, he dedicates. There's a, there's a chapter dedicated in this biography of Amorth to his encounter with that cardinal who who ridiculed him. And, and admitted that he didn't believe in the devil and he thought the whole thing was fairy tales. And, and I don't know how you can treat and how how you can trust any part yeah. of the word of God if you think any part of it is make-believe. Right, I understand. There's so many more questions, Father. I hope we can get to them all. But how did the official biography of Father Amorth, you know, was recently a Hollywood movie entitled The Pope's Exorcist. In other words... Is that a, a, a true rendition? In your Absolutely opinion? not. No, the movie was, in a word, garbage. Yep. Uh, it was yep. a sensationalistic, yep. l- lying account yes. of the life of Amorth, which was not an account at all. It was an ex- exploitation of his name. And you know what? Even Russell Crowe mm-hmm. had the, the, the honesty enough to admit that the entire thing was make-believe. Yeah. Uh, the, the entire thing was, was artistic license. Uh, it was not based on fact at all. Uh, and that's the unfortunate thing. You know, when you uh, when you are a famous person like Father Amorth was, uh, anybody can depict anybody can make a movie about your life and it not be based on reality whatsoever. And that's what we call freedom of expression, uh, which which can be misused. And in this case, it was misused. Yeah. And Father Amorth would have been appalled yeah. at his his name and his likeness and his office being exploited for the kind of Hollywood movie that he railed against his entire life. In contrast to that movie, I'm just going to jump in because I got more questions. Give us your analysis of that, in my opinion, one of the greatest movies I've ever seen on spiritual warfare, Nefarious, in contrast yeah. to the other one. Yeah, so Nefarious uh, it was, is a movie that was written and directed by two Roman Catholics, and it is easily the best possession movie ever made. Amen. That movie was very, very well written, exceptionally well written. And what it is not is just as important as what it is. What it is not is a horror movie. Yeah. Uh, it is not a movie. There's not a single four-letter word in it. There's nope. not a single sex scene. There, there's no violence right. in it. And, and there's none of the, the, the demonic parlor tricks. Because what they're going for, what they're trying to depict is not the demonic power, which every other movie gets gets hooked up on, but they want to exhibit the demonic rage. They, they want to exhibit the mind of the devil and what makes him tick. That's what you see in the movie Nefarious. They did a uh, the, great job. <laughs> they did. They did. The, the, the two directors contacted me and they asked me as an exorcist if yeah. I would give my opinion, my evaluation of the movie. Good. Thought it was exceptionally well done, and I really wanted to promote it, especially because Sony Pictures and and uh, Russell Crowe moved the launch date of their movie right. 
to coincide with the launch date of Nefarious in order to crowd them out. And I thought, you know, I, I just thought that that was in such poor taste. Of course. Um, that I wanted to help Nefarious uh, be successful. And thanks be to God, it was. It's been in the theaters longer than even The Pope's Exorcist. Awesome news. I love to hear that. Father, tell us about the relationship between Blessed Father Candito Amarantino, his mentor, because he's up for cause for canonization. And I always say birds of the feather flock together. Right. Yeah, so uh, Father Candido Amantini was a passionist priest, and he functioned at the Basilica of the Scala Santa, the Church of the Holy Stairs, and, and it gets its name because uh, the housed within that basilica are the steps that Pontius Pilate had going up to his praetorium in Jerusalem. Mm -hmm. Those would have been the steps that our Lord had to walk up and down at his condemnation. Wow. Uh, so... Uh, they were moved to Rome, they were e erected, and Constantine, Constantine built a basilica around them. Beneath those stairs, yes. in the crypt immediately beneath those stairs, mm -hmm. Father Candito would conduct his exorcisms. I used to have my Roman office outside that same monastery, and I uh, have performed exorcisms beneath those stairs. Wow. Uh, so that, you know, Father, Father Amantini... Uh, was immensely holy, and in a sense, he was in terms of personality, the yes. exact opposite of <laughs> Father Amber. Very shy, very quiet, very reserved. Uh, whereas uh, Father Amorth was gregarious, loved a good joke, <laughs> loved playing practical jokes, uh, and he was somebody who was just really, really full of life. Uh, so he had so much energy inside him. That Well, uh, the proof's in the pudding. He conducted exorcisms seven days a week. He was involved in various things, loved publicizing, loved uh, writing, loved conducting interviews and just sharing the word of God. Incredible. Well, opposites attract in the physical science, so uh, that doesn't surprise me. Now, someone who I have a great devotion to, I was at his canonization back in 2002 of June, that's Padre Peel. Is it true, you know, that Father... Amorth knew Padre Peel. Oh yeah, absolutely. They 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 had a friendship. Mm -hmm. uh, they they corresponded with yep. one another, and and he visited Padre Peel uh, often. And Padre Peel had a great deal of respect for Father Amorth. Wow. All right. Well, we're gonna we got a couple of minutes before the next break. So here's a big question: What was the intent of Father Amorth in allowing the filming of one of his last cases, you know, documentary on the devil? I got to I mean that's a big one. You know, I think what he what he yeah. desired to do mm -hmm. was to show an accurate depiction of what happens such that visually we can see what is taking place in a possession. Of course, in a possession, the consciousness of the victim is usurped mm -hmm. and it's taken over by the devil. In other words, he pushes the victim aside and sits at the driver's seat and he's at the control uh, such that when when that happens, uh, the victim is not even aware of what's occurring in the possession. He or she is rendered in a state of unconsciousness. And it's only when the, the devil recedes uh, that the, the, the victim uh, is able to regain consciousness. But that gap of time that occurred, whether it was five minutes or five days, is gone. Uh, and so, and th there's no memory or recollection. There's no perception 
of what has happened during the state of possession. So Father Amorth, I think, wanted to show yes. to the world that this is real. So so because, frankly, um, th- 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 he perceived that the message was just not getting through. Yeah. Uh, the message was 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 being bogged down somewhere and he wanted to show to people visually let look this, this is real this is I'm I'm not playing make believe I want to encourage people to go to our website vmpr.org virgin most powerful radio tan books we love that publishing house ignatius and uh, let me several oh, sophia press they're all great publishing houses but if you click on the click on our website for tan books pitch pick, pick up the book uh, the um the official biography of the pope's exorcist father uh, Gabriel Amorth, pick up that book. They're going to give us a little uh, blessing back as a donation to Virgin Most Powerful Radio, and you're going to get a great book to read. Father, when we come back, this is interesting. We know that Father Amorth was, was, was being a soldier, and he actually had some participation in war. I'm wondering, what did that prepare him for as an exorcist, and is there a connection You'll find out the answer when we come back, folks, here listening to the Terry and Jesse show. We're too blessed to be stressed. We're too anointed to be disappointed. And if hope was money, we'd be billionaires. Our hope is in Jesus Christ, now and forever. Stay with us, family. We'll be right back with more to inspire you to fall deeper in love with Jesus Christ and his bride, church. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse show. To join the conversation, call 888-526-2151. Now, here's Terry and Jesse. Absolutely. Jesse had to run, but if you're just tuning in, we're with Father Carlos Martins. He's uh, got a book from Tan Books on Father Gabriel Ermorth. It's the official biography of the Pope's Exorcist. You need to get it. Go to vmpr.org. Click on our website, it goes right to Tan Books, and you won't regret doing that. Father, I made a little teaser before we broke. Do you think Father Amorth being a soldier and participating in war, and he did physical warfare, prepare him for spiritual warfare? Is there a connection? Yeah, well, certainly. I mean, he, you know, Father Amorth was born in the 20s, yeah. so that makes him part of the greatest generation. That's right. Uh, that that generation, that 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 lived through so much and uh, they didn't have the conveniences and the luxuries that we have today. So they, they had to use a lot of elbow grief, gr- a lot of elbow grease, mm-hmm. a lot of courage and determination to accomplish whatever it is they did. Yes. Uh, Father Amorth was a soldier yeah. in, in every sense. Uh, Father soldier defended his country. Uh, f- pardon me. Father Amorth defended his country as a soldier. And as he, as he did that, he he faced great danger. He faced arrest uh, or the prospect of arrest numerous times. He had to disguise himself in order to uh, in order to to dodge the arrest. And so all of this steeled himself uh, in terms of developing an, in a superhuman work ethic, yeah. uh, a work ethic where he wanted to make the the biggest impact on the world that he could at any given time. Uh, and it gave him a courage, a courage that even at 60 years old, he was not shy, was not afraid to face the devil as the exorcist for uh, the mother diocese of the world. Wow. Wow. Father, back on May 19th, I remember this because Father Juan Rivas, a friend of our show back in 2017, was with this young, possessed Mexican man named Angel. 
and they flew from Mexico to seek help. And it's on YouTube. You can actually see this. What was the, was the case of Angel ever given to Father Amorth? You know, I'm not totally familiar with that case, but I will tell you this. Tell me. We live in a time where the advances in technology make it possible for us to report and tell a story uh, about the different aspects of our Catholic faith. I mean, case in point, we're on we're on a podcast, we're on a show right now yes. that enables you sitting on one side of the country and myself on another sure. uh, to communicate with people all over the world. That's true. And you know, Father Father Amorth knew this powerfully. This is why, for example, he made that video that I told you about that you asked me about right. uh, in that case of, of exorcism. But but also too, you know, the podcast I have done. So I produced the Exorcist Files. And I launched it in January of this year. And how it came about was in Rome, yes. there, the, 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 the officials from the Holy See had gathered together and two things were alarming them. One was the fact of the, the, the paganization of the European West and okay. it was entire Western culture, but also the fact that lots of teaching out there, even by some Catholic priests, yes is not solid preaching, is right. not grounded in the Catholic tradition. Yeah. So I was asked to undertake a, a, the project of a catechesis and to use some of the principles that Father Amorth had developed. So, so I picked a podcast as, the, as stage one of the Good. format. Why? Because I, I read, I, I, I discovered a couple of statistics that alarmed me. So Two survey companies, Pew yep. and public policy polling, uh, divided the population into demographics. In, in the demographic of 18 to 29-year-olds, mm -hmm. they discovered that in a span of just five years, the number of, of those folks that abandoned religion altogether, in other words, became pagan, increased by one-third wow. in just five years. Incredible. At the same time, however, in the same demographic, 18 to 29 years old, 63% stated that they believe it is possible for someone to become demonically possessed. Mm -hmm. So in this demographic that is increasingly abandoning religion, something is occurring in their lives yes. that is making them conclude the devil is real. Oh, yeah. And I thought, you know what? Someone has to reach out and speak to them sure. and give them a compass. So I developed this podcast yeah. called The Exorcist Files, and, and they consist of 3D binaural productions mm -hmm. where I disclose, I tell the account of cases I have had and use professional actors to reenact wow. parts of those cases. Mm -hmm. So. It launched on January 25th of this year, the, the feast day of the conversion of St. Paul the Apostle, today being his, his other feast day in the right. year. So we kind of, in a sense, come full circle. But I was astounded uh -huh. at, I knew there would be an interest in this, but even I never imagined the sheer, the, the, the sheer impact this would have. We have had, after releasing just 15 episodes, over 2 million downloads. Awesome. Wonderful. And so... 
when when people are able to get an education that they can sink their teeth into, yeah. then we can have an impact on society. Amen. Thank you for sharing that, Father. Did Father Amorth have a good relationship with all three popes that he worked under? Um, as far as I know, yes. I have. I, I mean, Father Amorth was was constantly obedient. Mm -hmm. uh, he would never. I mean, he was a man of the church in every sense. Uh, he loved John Paul II. Yeah. He loved Pope Benedict, and 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 he loved the way that Pope Francis catechized about the devil so often. Spoke a I lot mean, about him. Really appreciated that. Yeah. yeah, there's a lot he spoke on that. Father, just a, a, another uh, question that I have. In the statistics that you just gave, I'm familiar with those. I'm also familiar with young people by the uh, Catholics that by the age of 23, 87% of those young people are not practicing the faith today. My question is, it's a catechetical question that develops their knowledge of their faith. In other words, many young people haven't been well-versed in a relationship with Christ, grounded in sound doctrine. My question to you is, is that also a huge element that plays in the role of not being prepared to deal with um, the spiritual warfare that most, most of us are going to have to deal with. In other words, a fight over our soul, that the world is out there, the world, the devil, and the flesh, and many of us just haven't been prepared for this, and we're off guard. Am I onto something? Oh, absolutely. Ab absolutely. The people are just in in ill-equipped for life at that point. So if, you're, if your faith yes. has not been given to you in a way that that you are able to function as a mature Catholic when you embark on, onto the world as a young adult, then then you're going to hit the wall in some respects, right? You're you're going to go and and you're you're going to go get that Reiki treatment at the spa, exactly, and you're going to get more than what you bargained for because you brought home spirits and you have no idea how you got them. All you wanted was to go get a, a, a therapeutic treatment that is going to raise your energy level well what's wrong with that <laughs> and all of a sudden now you're 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 not free in areas where you used to be free you're going to join the freemasons and you think well you know i i'm a i'm a professional i'll meet other professionals and make contacts there uh this will be good for my business i'll i'll be able to get garner more money for my family and so forth uh well guess what there are spiritual implications of this Father, and, and, I love it. And Keep so going. This is he, he, he just, I think of Fulton Sheen. I'm a Bishop, Bishop Sheen guy. I went to his funeral. That's why behind it says full Sheen ahead. And there's a video on YouTube where Bishop Sheen says that the devil hates these titles, uh, obviously the name of Jesus Christ and the precious blood of Christ and Our Lady. Um, is that your experience also, that those three items right there that, that really are an effective way to defend yourself? He, he does, and but there is a hierarchy among them. All right, the the the, the devil immensely respects our Lord. Yes, right? doesn't like him, but he <laughs> immensely respects him. But he absolutely hates Our Lady <laughs> more than he hates our Lord. Isn't more. that isn't that interesting? And why is she, that? Because she, of all of God's creatures, she is the only one that obeyed. God ah, to the full. And and she now occupies the place that the devil abandoned in heaven. 
And he can't stand that, right? It pains him for that. And this is why, I mean, we surmise, exorcists, we surmise that this is the reason why the devil possesses more women than he does men. And and the edge is not slight. It's it's quite dramatic, which is ironic because women are by nature more religious than men. Yes, of course. Why why would this be happening? And and we talk about that. In fact, I'm at a conference for exorcists right now. That's where I'm at. Speaking from my room in the conference center. And you know, the 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 devil wants to exact his revenge on Our Lady. Uh, and and this is why we think more women than men become possessed. Makes sense. I want to promote your book again. Go to Tan Books. It's the um, official biography of the Pope's exorcist, Father Gabriel Amorth. And also, I want to I want to promote your podcast. We have about a minute and a half. How can people be tuned into your podcast, Father? Sure. Yeah. So it's available anywhere where you get your podcasts. And if any of your listeners, viewers mm-hmm. have no idea what a podcast <laughs> is or what 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 I'm talking about, uh, they can go onto the website, which is exorcistfiles.tv. <coughs> exorcistfiles.tv. You can download the episodes there for free. Uh, they are, uh, you know, I, I, I think I, I think that the, the, the most full teaching that's available online on exorcism, mm-hmm. uh, there are myself, other exorcists that are collaborators, uh, a psychiatrist, wow. and so forth. It's quite a production, it sounds like. Forth, and uh, Cardinal Burke gives a resounding endorsement to Wonderful. that work. So, Father, can we receive your um, blessing I, I think this your, time? your viewer. Great. We can get a re- blessing before we have to run. Absolutely. Thank you. Absolutely. Yes, So may Almighty God descend upon you, upon your family members, upon your listeners and viewers, and upon all those whom you love, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Father, what we end up every show is we say to Jesse Romero, Jesse, what state should we be living in? He says, not the state of Arizona, California, no, the state of grace. And then I end up saying, what did Our Lady say at Fatima? She said, souls are going to hell because no one is there to pray and make sacrifices. And I ensure, I always offer people to join us in making little sacrifices for the salvation of soul and implement Our Lady's request at Fatima. So whether you're 104 or 4 years old, please make a sacrifice today. Remember, tomorrow, this Saturday is first Saturday also. So these are important dates for us to get closer to Christ and His church. And Father, I want to thank you again for taking the time to share your love with Jesus Christ. God bless you, Father. Thank you. God bless you.